Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina and this is another journey where business and art intersect and transform individuals and communities. Okay everyone, it's over. That's it. Done. 2020 is moving into 2021. But what a year it has been for all of us. We have gone through a worldwide crisis together, yet isolated at the same time. An ongoing crisis that has really changed the way we interact forever. This is also the year in which I happen to launch Regeneration Studio, a podcast about renewal in people's lives and the transformation and beauty that can lead from a new start. As I look back at the journeys shared by my podcast guests, Journeys of entrepreneurs and creatives, journeys that brought them to major crossroads in their lives and forced them to make tough decisions. As I look back at the fulfilment they found in life because they made those decisions, I feel grateful for keeping the show running during an emotional roller coaster of a year. I wanted to give up so many times, but here I am, still sharing these stories with you, and I won't give up for anything in the world. That much I know now. In the spirit of being emotionally overwhelmed and sometimes feeling rather unhappy, our last episode deals with the very question of what prevents us from feeling happy and why we are so ready to run away from our feelings in the first place. But first, years to a new year of fulfillment, love and more beautiful stories. Thank you to each of you who have listened, are listening and will listen. Thank you. Thank you for being with me so far. And if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Share it with a friend and find me on social media and YouTube. I do this because of you and would love for you to accompany me on the next leg of my journey. Okay, let's wrap this year up in true regenerational style and join author and wellness expert Shiriana Boyle for one last inspirational journey. You cannot become happy. There's no job that will pay you in happiness tokens. There's no stock market where you can trade in happiness shares. You can only be happy. Negative emotions prevent you from feeling happiness. It's not, however, negative emotions in themselves that cause toxicity, Anxiety, fear, doubt, anger, pain, sadness, these are natural feelings. We cannot avoid them. It's how we react to them that determines how they impact our lives. We either keep them inside, mull them over and let them grow into unhealthy toxicity, or maybe, if treated correctly, these emotions can help us achieve a greater sense of joy. What if there was a way to rid yourself of emotional toxicity? How would this transform your life at home and at work? Psychology professor and author Sheriana Boyle is my guest today and will be talking more about what is an emotional detox. Welcome to the show, Sheriana. Thanks for having me. Now, this is my one of my favorite questions. To give our listeners an idea of who you are, your background, your values, imagine there's a film soon to be released called Emotional Detox. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? 
<laughs> Your emotions are one of the most, if not the most important thing about you and most valuable part of who you are. And when they're allowed to be processed in the body, they can not only transform your thoughts and beliefs, but they can transform your lives. And, and that's how I would introduce it. <laughs> Part one, the numbing reality of toxicity. Joy can be stripped from life if we view life through a lens of fear. Now, this statement immediately struck me when I started reading your recent book, Emotional Detox. You go on to explain that if we don't process our emotions and instead accept, ignore or minimize things that disrupt our happiness, we start feeling overworked, undervalued and sometimes stuck in toxic situations. Besides having written several other books and published articles in various psychology and wellness journals, you seem to be best known for the cleanse method and emotional detox coaching. What early life experience made you decide to pursue a career in wellness and psychology? I think I've always been drawn to it, even as a young girl. I've always, I've always been interested in introspection, self-awareness, and I was always writing about the way I, that I felt about things mm -hmm. and also the way that I thought other people felt. So I'd write stories and characters and I would describe what was going on for them, which was probably really myself <laughs> working through the characters and, and the events of my life. And so I think that I also had a mother who was going through a lot. She was always dealing with something, whether it was through her marriage or situations and her relationships with her parents. And she would often ask me, what do you think I should do? And even though I was a little, a little girl, I would actually answer her. And then she started calling me her little therapist, which was probably not very healthy, but I believe that it kind of shaped me in a way that I really did enjoy being in that role. Okay. And then to give a bit more context to your mm. childhood, where did you grow up? So I grew up in the country in New York state and in, uh, I'm in the United States and in the countryside. And it was, I, I grew up in a school that had only a class of 60. So I'll show you how small our class was. And the town I lived in only had one traffic light in the whole town. So you can just kind of give an idea. There wasn't a lot to do <laughs> there. Right, so with, very small, yes. Yeah. So, but it gave you time to sort of go outside and kind of think about the world a little bit. And in some ways it was it was perfect, but when I was growing up, it it didn't seem that way. I see. Yes, I think a lot of the times where we grow up doesn't seem ideal, and we always have the <laughs> feeling to escape, don't we? Absolutely. So, what did you do after, like, finishing school? Did you immediately think, okay, you're going to go into the psychology field, or hmm. what? What did you decide? 
Yeah. No, I actually thought I was going to go into fashion, which is kind of cracks me up because I hate shopping and I'm not a real, it's definitely not my thing, but maybe when I was in high school, I cared about those things. And so I thought I would go into more design and, and then I was in college and I took a philosophy class and it was on existentialism. And I remember listening to the professor and being completely, it was that moment where I knew that that's really what I was interested in was psychology. And so that's when I changed my major and went in that direction. All right. Okay. So it's it's kind of that reflective childhood that you had and having to listen to other people talk about their problem, well, your mom in this case, and giving advice that may perhaps influenced you. And then describe a moment, because this is what your book is about, is those moments where we feel kind of stuck and it's the emotions that make us feel that way. So can you describe a moment when you felt professionally stuck, overworked or undervalued and what you did as a consequence? Well, there's been a lot of moments where that's happened. There isn't just one moment. And I think, yeah, I think we all go through moments Mm -hmm. where we wonder if we're valued or we feel stuck. And I think I, I still have to look at the balance and where to put my energy and attention. As far as where I felt stuck and undervalued, hmm. Well, if I can put it in, uh, rephrase it, Mm. because I always try and pinpoint a a major crossroad in my guests' journeys. So if you can think of a major professional crossroad where you wanted to escape feeling stuck. I think it was when I said no to a, a certain contract for one of my books. And up until then, I had been going along and just happy to be picked up as a writer. I think it was the moment that I said, no, that's not going to work for me. Why did you say no? Was there a particular reason? I, I thought I was worth more. Okay. Good reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. I thought my, and I, it really was my work. I said my work. Mm -hmm. I knew it's not me. I know I'm worth, it was the work and your work is like an extension. It's such a, it, I look at it as a living thing, you know, almost mm-hmm. like creating a, a life. And so I said no. And then that put me in a new direction. It was actually the, it was very difficult because I really liked the people that I was working with. And I think it wasn't, I think it's easier if you don't like them. or if they somehow hurt you, right? It just didn't feel like I was growing anymore. And so I said, "Mm, I don't think that's going to work. And we parted ways. And that ended up being one of the best decisions I've made because I, not just from a money standpoint, I opened up doorways or actually doorways were open that I didn't even know were existed. So I think sometimes that feeling inside is just the universe saying that there's, there's opportunities, there's people for you to meet, things for you to do, to consider. And if you just keep yourself comfortable, that might not happen. Yes. And I think we're going to touch on those emotional comfort zones a little bit later on in the the episode. Mm. 
Now, of course, ridding ourselves from emotional toxicity, which is something even now I'm not sure if we can do entirely, <laughs> and learning how to lessen the damaging effect has become your field of expertise. I might be wrong in this, I, but it seems that emotional detox is really um, what you are currently very well known for. Mm. But this is also based on your own struggle with toxic emotions in your life, and you detail this in the book. Perhaps can you tell us more about this and your experience of it before we delve deeper into our own feelings and how to deal with it? Sure. You mean with the book, a little bit about yes. my story and emotional yeah. and emotional exactly. detox. Yeah. So I I always have to preface it with I wrote a book called Mantras Made Easy before mm -hmm. I wrote Emotional Detox. And the reason I say that is because I had, when I was writing Mantras Made Easy, I had about three or four mantras going. I was really invested in mantras. Mantras are and sounds. You, yeah, mantras yeah. are sounds, syllables, words that you repeat. Mm -hmm. And when you really understand what a true mantra practice is about, you recite them for 180 times in a row okay. for 90 days. And so I had... Uh, one of my mantras was for my marriage. And it was basically a mantra about knowing the truth. And now that I know the truth about my marriage, my marriage is spiritually, physically, and emotionally connected, something of that nature. That's kind of a long mantra. <laughs> but that, <laughs> and I would walk my dog and I would recite the mantra. And I had mala beads in my pocket. And I would, every a mala, set of mala beads has 180 beads so that you can don't have to think in your head to count. Mm -hmm. And I would hold the mala beads in my pocket and I would walk my dog and I would recite them all. And I had about three going. So I, I was extremely committed for three months. At the end of the three months, the book gets, I hand the book in, it gets published and all that. And I'm maybe six weeks later, I'm walking out of the gym. I have my yoga mat and I hear a voice and it says emotional detox, <laughs> emotional detox. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I mm -hmm. turned to my girlfriend and I said, I'm going to write a book on emotional detox. And she was like, really? And I said, yeah, what do you think? And she said, I like it. So I start researching emotions really diving in. What are they? What are they made of? How do they impact us? And I present the research to my publisher. They love it. Um, they want to pick up Emotional Detox. About six weeks later after the book was picked up, that's when I found out the truth about my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the, is, the story is loosely layered into the book. So it gives people context of what this whole emotional detox thing is about. And it ended up being the biggest blessing because not only was I writing a book from research and from all the other books I'd written, but now I'm actually, I got to go through an emotional detox because yeah. I'm in trauma, right? And I'm in crisis and I wouldn't just be in crisis. It wasn't like having a fight with your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It wasn't like that where that might rattle you for a few days. 
you know, I, I was, we were in, I found out the truth and it, we were in crisis and I didn't know if it, well, my life would never be the same and it would go on for a long time. So emotional detox was something that I had to frame out for myself and then eventually started to teach others. And so it was written really from inside out. And then just for listeners who haven't actually picked up the book and started reading it, what was the crisis? What was the truth that you found out? And well, let's start there. <laughs> so um, about six weeks later, I, you know, just like everybody else, you get it. I got up for a cup of coffee and I went to my coffee maker and I, there was my husband's phone and I decided I was going to pick it up and look through it. And that's when I saw that he was having an affair and he was with someone for um, quite a long time. So that all became uncovered. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of people since then who have gone through this traumatic experience. I mean, at that point I was married for 18 years. And the the thing with the crisis like this is it's not like you just, it's not like a health diagnosis where you get the diagnosis and then you're like, okay, now we can move on. Generally, when there's a betrayal, you can, you can uncover things months later. So you go through this, this six, seven, eight weeks, sometimes longer of now you've learned this and now you learn that. And it's like, it's like everything you knew, everything you thought you knew was a lie. And you start questioning everything. And you're like, my life was a lie. Does that mean this is a lie? Does that mean that was a lie? So that was really the journey. And so emotional detox speaks to what it's like to live with triggers. You know, we all get, we all live with triggers and, uh, and that's part of, part of what we all go through. I just happen to go through it in a really big way. Yes. And when you say triggers, is are these like emotional triggers, things that just like spark certain mm. emotions in us and then it, it, we can sometimes react in a good way to them or sometimes we can react badly to them? Is that what, you, mm -hmm. what you're yeah, referring so, to? So triggers are usually what, what they really are is emotional memories, mm. something in our body. It might not be an event but they, we remember something that feels similar. Now I had grown up with a lot of this stuff. I mean, this wasn't anything actually new. It felt new because, yeah. you know, but I had grown up with a lot of crisis after crisis Trump and my father had a series of affairs. So I remember watching my mother go through this. And so triggers are the body remembers when you don't process your emotions, they, they don't just disappear. They stick around until you process them. But the only way that you know that they still exist is you keep, you keep creating the same experiences. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting, but that's the way it works. It's like, it's kind of like the laws of attraction where you bring in what you vibrate on the inside. And it's not just vibe what you vibrate from a thinking standpoint. 
it's vibrationally what you carry. And I was carrying reactive patterns. I was carrying unprocessed emotions from when I was a little girl because we think, well, I'm just going to move out and I'm just going to get away from this place and then my life will be different. And Mm -hmm. I wish that were true, but when things happen, we really do need to learn how to process them. Yes, uh, I understand. And then lastly, before we move on to part two, did you, the writing of the book, because I mean, this was happening kind of at the same time, so it must have influenced mm. it. Did it actually help you um, not only think about the whole process, but going through the emotional detox itself? It, as far as my healing, yes, absolutely. Because I, the traditional therapies for me, and I think it was because I knew too much, I had done too much research that when I would sit in a more of a traditional therapy style, what would be going through my mind was all the information I had just learned and how it sometimes contradicted what the person was telling me to do. And so I just wasn't a very good, I don't know, client, patient, whatever you, I just, you know, I just became a little skeptical And I thought, you know, I really got to carve this out and I got to figure out a way that this is going to work for me because this, this just isn't jiving. And I, I had a few therapists that I had gone to, to see if it would help me. But honestly, I could never have written. If, if you asked me to write that book today, I couldn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. It really, truly was written from inside out. I could never recreate it the way that it's written out. And I think that's why people connect to it because it's like, it's, it's truly was what was happening in that moment. And, uh, there's just no way I could recreate that book. Okay. Thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that. Part two overprocessed and underprocessed emotions finding a way out the truth is that in our current world we're always rushed we're always busy and we're always distracted no wonder we struggle to live in the present moment and sometimes process our emotions we really neglect focusing on what we feel what we really feel and how to kind of manage that So why are emotions so important and how can emotional awareness, just kind of being aware that this event or this person is causing me to feel this way, how can that have a nourishing effect? They can have a nourishing effect when you process them. I always say emotions are not not the problem, it's our reactions. It's the way we we attempt to control them, minimize them, avoid them, prevent, pretend, fix, all of that. That's what creates toxicity in the body. The emotions themselves, if you leave them alone <laughs> and you stop trying to control them, and you just let them do what they do naturally, they will help carry you through the experience in a way that you could never construct with your mind. And so it's 
it's a bit about learning to just trust your own inner current of emotions. They're like a river. And when they're in flow and they truly will help these experiences wash through us and they will leave us in a better understanding. They will help us develop spiritually, mentally, physically, and they will help us to connect more fully with the planet and ourselves. I I believe that they really can create what everyone is looking for in this world. And I think what we all want is just to have a place where we all feel safe and where there's compassion and love and we, where we can thrive. And I think emotions are a tremendous part of that, but we have to teach people how to process them, not just to label them or think about them or talk about them. Like I did with my mom. She wanted me to talk about it (laughs) and she wanted to vent to me and then she wanted advice. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. She needed to process her own feelings to be able to move through, but she didn't know how to do that. Like a lot of us. Yeah. So you can't rely on somebody else to process your emotions for you. No, we want to, but it really, the only person that can allow that is, is ourselves. I mean, you can receive Mm -hmm. some guidance, but that's really what's looking to happen. Otherwise these patterns will repeat themselves maybe not with the same person, but maybe in a new situation like a job or school or friendship. And you're like, gosh, all of a sudden you start seeing there's a pattern, there's a thread here. And Mm -hmm. it's the pattern that we're clearing when when we're in an emotional detox. Okay. So just from a personal perspective, because when we talk about emotions and processing it, like if I can use an example from my own life, which is probably some things a lot of people have experienced in, in their work contexts. But for example, having being criticized at work and then or feeling that it's unfair when you're criticized at work and that you've done your best and it's just an honest mistake. So if we don't pro- process that feeling, we just keep it to ourselves and we kind of linger on it and we kind of hold it against the person instead of talking to the person about it and how it made us feel. Is that correct? That's one way, but I wouldn't actually recommend talking to them until you've processed it yourself because the conversation will change and the way Mm -hmm. that you see it will change. And so what in that situation, what can happen is sometimes our reaction to our emotions and our pattern is that we take things personally or that we over-exaggerate things in our mind. And sometimes we do that. We magnify what someone says Mm -hmm. and we make it bigger than it appears. And that's not a, it's not that it's wrong or bad. It's just really learning. This is how I do it. This is how I suppress how I feel. I blow things out of proportion in my mind. And when I do that, I suppress feelings of whatever showed up, feelings of sadness or hurt or shame. They're there. And what we do is we bury them through those kinds of reactions. Okay. So it is a a fine line between 
processing and how we react to emotions and what exactly that reaction is. So a key factor in understanding the emotional detox process is that it's not the emotions themselves, as you said, that that's the problem, but how we react to them. I believe it's for, well, for example, feeling worried is natural. We can't prevent it. We're going to feel worried at some point. But Mm -hmm. if we are prone to overthinking, then we worry so much that it becomes a creates a constant uh, low level anxiety. So we're not even aware sometimes that we're feeling this constant anxiety. And then because we're getting used to it, we're even getting addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we know whether we are addicted to these negative emotions? Where are we clinging to them? Is there like a telltale sign or what's your opinion? Well, one way to know is when you are extreme. So your reactions are extreme compared to the situation that's occurring. It's kind of like maybe a minor thing is happening, but it feels to the body like it's major, like things are falling apart. And I'm not a huge fan of the word addiction, I have to say. (laughs) I think sometimes when we label things, that is also a sign of reactivity, right? We want to, it's our way of wanting to understand it, make sense of it. I get it. But I find from an emotional processing standpoint, it can sometimes interfere. So... I would even encourage people to clear that, clear the idea of being addicted to something. Mm -hmm. Because if you're addicted to something, you're not really feeling it. It becomes kind of mindless, right? Yes. Okay. Um, So we often talk about emotions in the context of personal situations, friendships, romantic relationships, uh, just dealing with ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. However, emotional awareness... And the detox process is just as important in the workplace. Now, firstly, can you tell us about what cleanse means, the process itself? What do we do? And then how can we apply this in a professional context? Hmm. Okay, so what cleanse is, is a seven-step, it's an acronym for a seven-step mindful process. It begins with a C and it ends with the E. And every step builds upon the other. So it's important that they go in order. The C is called clear reactivity. That's the first step. The second is the L, which is look inward. And that's where we're starting to uncover emotions. The E is emit, which is a mantra. Because remember, I wrote a book on mantras, so I'm a big fan of them. The A is activate, which is now what are you what are you actively focusing on? And we call it activate joy. The N is nourish, which means you want to deepen that activation. You want to nourish it. You don't just you want to make it more than just a thought or an idea. And then the S is surrender, and that's your free will. That's your choice to choose something. Nobody can make you do anything. You have to choose it. And I give you a statement there. And then the E is ease, which is the embodiment. And that's where we become what it is that we were aiming for. 
Okay. So just to give a, a maybe an example for a professional context, I was thinking if you, because a lot of my, whether it, there are guests who are entrepreneurs or whether these are, they are listeners in a kind of their journey at a major crossroad, having to make a big decision, say in the context of being in a job where we're feeling unhappy, where we're not fulfilled, how would you apply the cleanse to know what are the possible next steps? And if like perhaps something major like starting your own, own business is a good idea. So the way you would apply the cleanse is if somebody wanted to start their own business, they might say, well, I have this idea and it keeps coming back to me and I'm not sure whether to do it or not. And, and one of the ways you know that you're in reactivity is you keep revisiting things. They keep coming up and very often they'll come up at times where you don't want them to come up <laughs> and they're kind of bugging you. And, and you keep swatting them away like a mosquito. Like, get away. I don't want to, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to do about, about anything about that. But when it comes to emotional detox, you want to say, okay, this keeps coming up. I'm going to give it some attention. I'm going to see what emotions are coming up to be processed. So I would sit down and I would start with that C, which is, again, it's the clear reactivity, which means get settled and calm in your body. And I give many, many ways to do that and that clear reactivity part. And then you would go into the L, the look inward, which would explore those feelings around that, the feelings of, of starting a new job, the feelings of leaving your old job, because there's a lot that comes up there. You know, leaving this position would make you feel one way, right? Maybe nervous, scared, maybe guilty, but staying is also going to make you feel something, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. if we stay in a position, we feel bored or we feel unappreciated or we feel numb. Sometimes we have to numb ourselves to stay in those situations. And so what you would do is you would clear the reactions. So that L is about acknowledging your emotions. And then the E is about the clearing. And that's a mantra. And what are you clearing? Well, how am I suppressing these feelings? Oh, I might be pretending everything's fine. I might put a smile on my face. I might tell somebody that, who knows, that, that or bitch or complain to someone else. That may be the way I'm dealing with my job. And or I might be overworking, or I may be underworking, doing less. I mean, these are all ways that we react to these emotions. So in that E, you're clearing the reactions. And then in the A, once you clear those reactions, you gain energy. And as that occurs, Kat, you start to imagine what, what it is that I'm really focusing on. What is it that I really want to create here? Because all those unprocessed emotions kind of block it. So now I'm getting a little bit more of a clear picture in the A of activating joy. And that's a visualization. And then the N is nourish. And I want to nourish those creations. And I give some support for that. The S is surrender, which is a statement that you say. 
meaning you have to choose it. And then the E is ease, which is being, which means you are that. And you've always have been that, whatever that is. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just these suppressed emotions kind of blocked your view. And so with that person, what they might end up realizing is that they have these, what they really want is to be able to express themselves or to be mm-hmm. able to spread their wings or to be able to be more, maybe more creative or who knows, but you really won't know the truth until you begin to feel your feelings. And what I love about that cat is it no longer becomes like, oh, I hate this job and I'm unappreciated. And it it, it turns into something more, more beautiful, meaning, oh, this is really what I'm feeling. And so you honor the experiences in your life through the processing of your emotions rather than gets kind of stuck in them. Yes. So it's swapping the lens of fear for a lens of clarity in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, how does emotional toxicity affect business owners and entrepreneurs who they normally responsible for a lot, their own business, admin, social media, and sometimes also other employees? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's involved in anything, whether you're an admin or whether you're the executive in charge of the (laughs) admin. And so the way it impacts you is, well, let me put it this way. You may have people that work for you or around you that you want to guide or to train Mm -hmm. or to provide skills to, and you may communicate with them in a certain way. Now, if you don't process your emotions, what can happen is you can manage others as a way to manage what you feel. So for example, am I telling this person to do this in a certain way because I'm feeling fearful or nervous or worried about something? And if I'm doing it in that way, then they, then that's my way of managing, which is another word of suppressing what I feel and controlling. Mm -hmm. Now, if I take a moment and process, say, oh boy, I can tell that I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of managing. I'm doing a lot of barking. I want to take a moment to process what I'm feeling. And then if necessary, I will give that person some guidance or skills or it will come out very, very different. And it's not just about what you say and do. It's how do you feel? How do people feel around you? And if they feel like they're on eggshells, they can't really relax and you're not going to get the best of them if they're always nerved up. Yes. I cannot agree more with you because I've experienced this so many times in the workplace where the person who's senior to me thinks that by shouting or being very loud or unpleasant about something will get their point across more if they do it that way. But the fact is that that feeling that it creates in the person who's being shouted at 
that then becomes the focus for them and not the thing that they can improve on. Just yeah. as an example. Yeah. Part three, shaping habits that activate joy. Now, as people, we crave drama and each year brings its own kind of turmoil for us. Sometimes we recreate it willingly in our own lives disregarding the pain, the sadness, the insecurity that we know we'll feel by indulging in actions that are perhaps not the best, like the shouting example that we, we used <laughs> earlier on, and also by overthinking or not processing our emotions, as you've explained, mm -hmm. letting them grow out of control instead of growing from them. Mm -hmm. Now, often we avoid the discomfort that confronting emotions bring. Can you give a personal and professional example of what it means to stay in our emotional comfort zones by avoiding what we really feel, just to wrap up what we've been talking about? Again, I think it's always about awareness. I think it's whether you're aware or not. That's the difference. Yeah. So, for example, we might give someone advice. Mm -hmm. unsolicited advice because it's uncomfortable when somebody's upset. Let's face it. When our friend mm -hmm. or our loved one's upset or a coworker, we, we might say, well, maybe try this or try that, or I might agree with them or, and so that's an example. And then we might walk away and we might say, Oh boy, I don't love the way I just handled that. I don't think I helped that situation. Maybe, maybe for a nanosecond, but mm -hmm. you might walk away and say, okay, something's coming up in me. I need to process what's happening in me first. And then, mm -hmm. if necessary, go back to that person. So when I see my friend upset, that brings up feelings, right? Feelings of out of control or nervousness or overwhelmed. It's overwhelming sometimes to see someone hurt. And I need to process those feelings in myself and then see what happens. And yeah. I always find it very fascinating how it shifts, what we say, how we behave how we handle something, if we even handle it at all. Sometimes the situation needs to be left alone. Yeah. I think that's also so true because just a common example, maybe more so for women than men, I'm not sure, um, is when one of our friends talk about an unhappy relationship and we immediately project our own feelings of our own relationship on what they're saying. That's right. And for example, saying, oh no, you should leave him totally. And then maybe that is not actually the best uh, solution for them. Yeah. Yes. Of course, we cannot expect when we process our emotions to just be joyful and to be joyful all the time, but it's about how we think about joy mm. and instead of leaving it kind of up to chance and just saying well I'll be happy when when I'm happy mm -hmm. it's being more conscious about activating it in our lives and I think this is what you kind of try to bring across in your book as well mm. so how are our emotions linked to joy 
And do you think if you have more responsibilities like entrepreneurs, this is any different for them? Or is, is it the same for all of us? Well, any emotion you have, any all of them can be transformed into joy. So mm-hmm. they're essentially all joy. Mm-hmm. There, I, I really believe there's only one emotion and it's actually love. And okay. yeah, I do. I think all of the rest is a reaction. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and so that means a lot of awareness, right? Because mm-hmm. if there's only one emotion, which is love and joy is very simple. I think joy, we, we tend to interchange with happy a lot. We, we yeah. think of it as excitement, happy, gleeful, and we have these images attached. Social media has kind of done that. Joy is actually very simple. It means I can sip a cup of tea and just be in pure joy, just mm-hmm. receive that. And that means joy means I'm willing to feel everything without attaching to the outcome. Mm-hmm. So feeling everything in that moment without any judgment and just enjoying it and being present to that cup of tea or coffee and looking out your window mm-hmm. and hearing the, the, the wind, that's joy. And then another thing that's really important to understand is the difference between recovering from traumatic experiences, especially now as we move from one year to another and as we move from one period of our lives to another. Um, what is the difference between recovering and healing? Because I think we need to seek the one more than the other. Mm. Well, I think I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's an emotional detox for anxiety or emotional detox, but I'm not a big fan of the word recovery (laughs) (laughs) because it implies that I'm broken. I have to, it, it implies that I must not be well. And so it didn't help me in my emotional detox, right? That I'm in recovery from whatever traumatic experience. And so I, I just cleanse it. I just, if I'm kind of hooking into these words like addiction and recovery, I just say to myself, and when I say that word recovery, it makes me feel, um, it kind of makes me feel like a project, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. and, and so I would clear that. I would release that, that way of, because it withholds emotions. If I'm recovering, okay. then I'm not feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure something out and that is a reaction. Yes. So it's better to kind of just feel the emotions and then decide on how to heal or by feeling them healing, being healed from them, if the, I can put it that exactly, way. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It will happen yes. all at once. We okay. don't need right. to have another step. We just have to trust that's enough. Yes, I see. It will unfold for you because mm-hmm. it's like a current. Yes. Okay. And then 
to wrap up all my long questions, how do we go about, so taking everything we've discussed into mm -hmm. consideration, mm -hmm. how do we go about now shaping new emotional habits? If you can summarize this in three things we can do um, mm -hmm. and can, according to you, can this change the course of our lives for the better? Okay, so so three habits. I I think that, or three things that can help us shape new habits, practices. I think get up every single day, making a conscious choice to feel something every mm -hmm. day. It's not what am I going to do? What am I going to feel? Okay. What am I going to allow myself feel, to feel today? And then the second thing would be carve out a time to do that. Right. Because mm -hmm. you could say it just like you could say, I'm going to go to the gym today, but you have to actually create a time for that. So, yes. okay, I'm going to choose to feel something today. When am I going to do that? What's that going to look like? And am I going to be sitting in a chair? Is it going to be in a certain room? Is it going to be a certain time of day? And that's, I'm going to get clear on what that looks like for me. Hmm. So those, those two things, choosing, number one, choosing to feel, carving out a time to feel. And then I guess the third thing would be to really just take the pressure off yourself that it has to actually be perfect or, or expecting anything from that. Just making the conscious choice and of course, I'm going to tell you to go through the cleanse. Yes. However, I also am going to tell you to let go of all expectations and that. Don't expect, oh, okay, now some fireworks are going to go off or something. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a reaction, right? When we expect something. So yeah. you just sit and you take a moment, say, I'm choosing today. I'm going to choose to release a reaction. So I can feel, and maybe today it's going to be expectations and that's why I'm going to move through the cleanse. And so every day there's going to be a certain reaction you're going to move through so that you can feel something. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And they're all in the book. So if you're like, which ones they're all there pretty much. <laughs> and if they're not in that one, they're in an emotional detox for anxiety. Okay. And then very lastly, also going back to your own experience, if you did the emotional detox and actually have that positive life change in your own life, were you able to heal from the trauma that you experienced? Of course. Yes. And I've been able to, it goes beyond that. It goes, I have a beautiful marriage today. I'm married to the same husband. I did not leave him. And, uh, and it's everything I had said in that mantra I had said on those walks, I said, I would, now that I know the truth, I have a marriage that is spiritually, mentally, emotionally connected. And that is exactly what I have today. And then some, and I'm, I also have healed relationship with my father. I've healed relationships with other people. I, I just don't have any animosity or I 
far less judgmental of a person. I thought I was pretty non-judgmental to begin with, but it feels really good to be able to accept people for who they are and to love them is such a gift to yourself. To be able to forgive is really an incredible way to live. Okay. So here's to a future of love, feeling love. That's right. Thank you once again, Shariana. Where can people find out more about you, your books and coaching? It's sharianaboyle.com is my website, sharianaboyle.com. And then I have a second website that's called cleanselife.com. And that's where I put all of my emotional detoxes into a yoga practice. <laughs> if oh, anyone loves wonderful. yoga, yeah, I have them I all there. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's right. fun. Okay. Brilliant. And then before we go, I'm afraid there's a couple of quick fire questions. You can keep them as short as you like. And this is just so that listeners can get to know Shariana better. What is the most recent film series you watched, podcast you listened to, or book you read? Oh, boy. Most recent <laughs> podcast? Uh, well, my girlfriend's doing a, a summit brilliant to burnout. So I was listening to that yesterday. It's about adrenal glands and all that stuff. <laughs> and then book, I'm, I'm reading a book on the spiritual laws of the universe right now. What were the mm -hmm. other questions? Oh, film or series that you watched. I, I just watched a recent one, but it, um, Oh my goodness. I can't remember the name. It was on Netflix the other night. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't okay. remember the name. No worries. No worries. I've had this before. Yeah. <laughs> so what important truth do very few people agree with you on? What important truth? The very few. Oh, I would have to think of my children. They do not agree with me taking their phones. Oh, I think that's. That's true. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> no. A lot of people giving me that. a hard time about that, but I know it's the truth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then can you tell us what is your favorite travel destination and why? Probably right now it's uh, Florida, Anna Marie, which is where our family goes into Florida when we can. And why? Yeah. Because it, it's simple, it's so simple, non, not very commercial, quiet. Okay, <laughs> good. And then last but not least, what advice would you give to someone wishing to start a career in psychology or wellness? Hmm. What advice would I give them? I think that I would tell them that there's going to be a lot of people that think they know more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true in general. That's life. <laughs> and they're going to make you feel like you know nothing. And uh, there's going to be a point where you're going to realize, okay, I have a lot of wisdom inside of myself as well. And that's okay. It's a journey. It's a journey. But don't ever let anybody feel like you're you're not as smart or as wise as they are because we're all souls first. So we all have that innate wisdom. Mm -hmm. 
That's brilliant. Thank you so much once again for joining me, Shariana. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the Starative Journey, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also leave us a rating and review on Apple, as we love to hear your feedback. It helps more people find this podcast and helps us share these amazing stories of difficult roads and beautiful destinations in business and art. Stories that could make a small difference in someone else's life. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.